Good day, everyone. This is Pastor Mitch Coaston from New Song Community Church, LaGrand, Oregon. And this podcast is a re-recording of the word from this previous Sunday morning, December 31, 2023. We lost power that morning and had to finish church in the dark. And so there's no recording of the live service. But I thought it was an important enough word that I would go ahead and re-record it so that those of you who weren't with us in person or those of you who listen online regularly could follow along with what I think is the word of the Lord for our church at this time. Exodus 33.7 says that Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, a good distance from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And it came about that everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting which was outside the camp. Whether this was the the actual tabernacle tent or an additional tent, um, Moses would take the tent sometimes outside the camp and pitch it in the Shekinah glory fire, pillar of fire of God, would hover over the tent and Moses would meet with God. And he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who needed to hear from the Lord who sought to meet with him would have to go to the tent, which was outside the camp, a good distance from the camp. Three times this verse highlights that Moses was outside the camp. We have to get outside the world, away from everyone else. If we're going to meet with God, it has to be separated. We have to be quiet. And that Bible word for separated is holy. We have to have a holy place where we meet with God, away from other people, to seek the Lord. But I point out that that's the Old Covenant. And in the Old Covenant, they had a temple or a tabernacle, which was the holy place where God lived, and you had to go to meet him there. But we live in the New Covenant, and in the New Covenant, the holy place is our heart. The dwelling place of God where we meet with God is in our spirit. And our bodies are literally the temple of the Holy Spirit and we carry the holy place in us and we can meet with God anytime, anywhere. We don't have to go someplace. All religion says that you have to go to this particular place. You have to go to the Hindu temple. You have to go to the mosque. You have to go to the cathedral. You have to go to the church building because that's where God is. But that's not New Covenant Christianity. New Testament Christianity is that I carry the Spirit of God everywhere and that my very heart, the very core of my being, where my personality and my thoughts and my feelings are, is is the temple of God. But it is still vitally important, according to Jesus, that we actually have a place that is set aside to meet with him And Jesus calls it the secret place, and it's a physical place. In Matthew 6, 6, Jesus said, When you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So in the new covenant relationship we have with God by the Holy Spirit, we don't have to have an exact particular place where all of us congregate to meet with God We can each individually meet with God in our own being. But we need a physical place and we need to be isolated. Jesus said, shut the door. 
there still must be a holy location. In our room, some of the older translations say when you go into your closet, because the word Jesus used there in Matthew 6, 6 is a small interior room. You go into a quiet inner place and you shut the door. You separate yourself from the world and all other people. You pray to your father who is in the secret place. And the secret place, of course, is inside of you. But we need to be free from the distractions of the world where we're not looking at our to-do list and we're certainly not looking at our phone. We're not being interrupted and disrupted by other people or staring at the work in our office or the cleaning around our house that needs done. We meet in the secret place with our Father. So all my life, I have desired to have regular meeting with God. All my life, I've been told that I need to have my quiet time first thing in the morning. And I know there are many people who are disciplined and you get up and you make your coffee or your tea or whatever your your morning routine is and the first thing the first part of your day is that you read your bible and you pray all my life i've desired to be disciplined about having a quiet time a devotional but i have not until recently been good at doing that and if you are disciplined about your early morning routine then God bless you. But I know that there are many people who you roll out of bed after hitting snooze four times and you barely make it to work on time. And you've made it your New Year's resolution that you're going to get up half hour earlier and read your Bible and spend time with God. And, and maybe you've done that a little bit, but it didn't stick. And I just want to free you from condemnation, from shame, from an assumption of failure. Because Jesus didn't say, do it first thing in the morning. He didn't say, you have to do it for an hour or a half hour. He didn't prescribe in any way how you meet with God. He just said, when you do, isolate yourself from the world in a holy place that's just you and God in the secret place and talk to your Father. So my tent of meeting, as Moses called it, the place where I meet with God is now become my church office. It's not the first thing I get done in the morning. When I'm at home, I have things to gather for my day. And my wife, Sarah, and I sit and talk in the mornings and we outline the day and check in on where the kids are going to be and what they're doing. And but by the time I get to church, it may be mid-morning. But the first thing I want to do the only thing I think about, the highlight of my day, is now getting into my office and shutting the door and getting on my face before God. And maybe for an hour, maybe for longer. I read my Bible, I read two devotionals every day, I pray, I, I put on worship music. And it's different every day. I don't have a Bible reading schedule. I just need to spend time with my Father. And it is become the highlight of my day, the thing that I love the most, the thing that on an irregular day where there's a vacation or a weekend or some other odd thing in my schedule, if I miss it, I feel it. I know that I have not spent time with God. And it's so 
vitally important and so good. Another of my prayer closets is, is my pickup. God and I have transacted a lot of business in, the, in my truck. While I'm driving, or there are a couple places in the mountains around where I live where I go and I park. And when the weather's not good, I just sit in the pickup and I pray or I sing or I scream at God and work things out with him. Many of the most important moments of my life in the last few years have, have been in my pickup as I've been driving along or parked up in the mountains. So if you can get up in the morning and that's the best, most private, quiet time for you, then great. But uh, there's one man in our church who uses his lunch hour as his prayer closet. He just goes to his car in the parking lot while everybody else is doing their thing during lunch break. He puts on worship music, reads his Bible, and prays in his car. There's a door between him and the world, and he's separated, and that is his private space and his quiet time. Maybe your quiet time with God could be immediately after work, before you go home. Because when you get home, you're going to have schedule and business and busyness and activity and chores. and Maybe you just need to sit in your car for 15 minutes and decompress with God, and pray, sing, read a devotional, as everybody else is running off full speed to get home and get out of work, and maybe just that's your, your moment of pause, your time that you can spend with God. You know, Jesus didn't tell us we have to do it for any particular length of time. He just said, talk to your Father who's in the secret place, and God will hear you. You know, my life has been such that my schedule is that my, it has become my routine over the years that I, I call my parents who live 1,500 miles away. I call my parents as I drive back and forth between work, uh, church and home. I'll check in with my parents individually two or three times a week each because I have about a 15-minute drive, and they know that. They just assume that if I call, then I'm driving between home and church. And they'll ask that, and then they know that when I get home or when I get to the church, I, I'll have to go. But they never complain about that. They thank me for calling them. They thank me for checking in. They thank me for thinking about them. And we have a nice chat for 15 minutes and catch up on events and family and how they're doing and what the weather's like and whatever it is. And my son will call me on his commute from home from work. Maybe once a week, he'll call me while he drives home. Doesn't offend me at all that he has a certain amount of time. He has a place in his schedule where he can do that. You're not upsetting God if you check in with him. If you just give him some time, give him your attention. Don't feel guilty that it's not an hour or two hours, that there's some person holier than you that reads seven chapters of their Bible a day and prays for an hour. And Don't compare yourself to that. Just... Just give God your time because he so, he so deeply wants you to know him and for him to know you. He, he wants to, to spend time with you. He wants your attention. You have his. So give him your attention without shame, without guilt, without comparison, without a stopwatch. Just let him love you 
and you love him, talk to him about your life, what's on your mind, in your heart. Let your heart and mind go to eternal things, to spiritual things. And you will find that, as the old hymn says, the things of this world will grow strangely dim. As you turn your eyes on Jesus, you'll find that the things of this world don't satisfy anymore and that God is really the only thing that does satisfy. And in all of our busyness, in all of our activity, chasing after the next ball game, the next concert, the next home remodel, the next vacation, the next accomplishment, the next promotion, more money. None of that ever satisfies. It's just fleeting. It's just a moment. It's like trying to hold sand in the hourglass. It, it just doesn't work. But, but in those moments where we turn our attention to God, time stops. And satisfaction is there. And there's beauty. And we touch something eternal. And once in a while, we can find a glimpse, a sense of something meaningful in our natural world. Usually that's around nature as we stare at the stars on a clear night or as we watch the sunset or sunrise or a mountain view or we're standing on the beach looking at the ocean. We can become aware of beauty, of something that touches us deep in our soul. And when we're quiet, when we stop, when we pause and we look. And many people mistake that for God, but God isn't in the ocean. He isn't in the sunset. He's, he's making those things and they're displaying his, his grandeur and his power and his beauty, but, but they aren't him. If you will build a tent of meeting, if you will create a prayer closet, if you will make a holy time and a place where every day you will meet with him and learn to pause, learn to quiet your mind, learn to discipline yourself for the, for the schedule, your mind will be able to be, learn to be quiet, to slow down, and you will begin to touch God himself and you'll find real satisfaction and real joy. You'll find what C.S. Lewis called longing. He said that our hearts have an inconsolable longing for we know not what, that unnameable something, that desire for which pierces like a sword, almost like heartbreak, the exquisite pain that is joy. I find that when I turn on worship music or sometimes even at something I read in my devotional or in scripture it's not every day but it's many days now I find myself weeping in the presence of the Lord and that's a new thing it's a little weird for me and a lot of times I cannot define why I'm crying and I will ask the Lord Lord is this what I don't understand what I'm feeling I don't know why I'm weeping is this love? Is it joy? Is it pain? Is it sorrow? Is it my own brokenness? Is it thankfulness? And the reason I can't 
pin it down to one word is because it's all of those. Every time, it's all of those mixed together. And maybe one is more in the forefront in a given moment, but it is what C.S. Lewis called the exquisite pain that is joy. That unnameable something. It is my love for God. It's touching the Lord. It's communion with Him. At the end of his life, C.S. Lewis wrote that the greatest thing, looking back at his life, the greatest thing was the longing. What I am hoping to do is to prick your conscience, to prick your heart, to awaken longing in you, to know God, to get past the busyness and the trappings and the distractions of this world, to build a tent of meeting, a place and a time when you meet with God every day, not because you have to, not out of religious duty, not to fulfill some Bible reading plan or schedule, but because God longs to know you and you long to know Him, because you desire Him. Yes, we need Him for the things that He gives us and the things that He takes care of and the things He heals and the things He gives us. But He longs to know us just to know us. and He wants us to know Him. You know, now that I have four adult kids who live in various places and do things and we're not just a family sitting around the dinner table each night together, I, I feel a very powerful desire to know my kids to know what they're doing and what are they thinking and where's their life going and what's God doing in them and I want to talk with them and I want to know them and I want them to know me I want them to care about what's going on in my life and I I believe that's how God feels that he strongly desires for you to speak with him to give him everything that's in you to let him have it all, to know it all, and to inquire of him, to know what's on his mind and heart toward you. So I invite you today to ask the Lord for creative solutions in your everyday practical schedule in life. Lord, how can I build a tent of meeting? Where in my schedule? Morning, midday, last thing in the evening, what is the most realistic and practical way, time, and place that I can meet with you every day and I'm going to begin to make it a habit not out of self-discipline or religious duty but because I want to know you I want to meet you I want us to have a private holy place a secret place where I have you all to myself and you have all of me to yourself and we can get to know each other because Jeremiah 29, 12 to 14, God says, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart, and I will be found by you. He will be found by you when you search for him with all your heart. Amen. <laughs>